Welcome to the Enlighten Up podcast. I'm Lisa Watson and we'll be joined by my co-hosts Nicole Frolick and Brian Koenigberg. The Enlighten Up podcast is a weekly show that provides an unconventional and refreshing spin on spirituality, where three friends and weekly guests share informative, fun, and usually off-the-wall conversations. Unlike others, we provide fringe and skeptical viewpoints on all topics, because our experience has taught us that the echo chamber is a boring place from which to learn. So regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, we can promise you, you're going to find a place to fit in here. So we invite you to grab a drink and listen in on our casual, entertaining, and hopefully enlightening conversation. And Enlighten Up is a self-funded podcast. So if you would like to help us to continue to be able to produce, enhance, and expand the show for our audience, then please send your support using the link in the show notes or go to our website, lightenup.us, and check out our merchandise shop where you can purchase merchandise that will allow you to express some spiritual humor. You may also show your support by leaving us a review on iTunes and following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thank you all so much for listening and supporting us. And now let's jump right into the episode. I like to get some pre-show stuff sometimes. Okay, because the whole concept of I am comes from I am that I am, right? That's Popeye. Maybe maybe for you, it, it does. That has nothing to do with, with what I look at. I am. Why? My I am is me. My I am is not a higher power. Who, who, who brought the concept of I am to the table? Irrelevant question for me. Ah, I see. What, 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 what is, I thought what you is were it? more of a student. Well, yeah, but what, is it, what does it matter if there's, if there's a universal connection or not? This is, I'm living my life on this planet today. And that was something that resonated with me and makes me feel better about my 3D life. I am not trying to evolve off of this planet. I am not trying to become 4D, 5D, 12D, anything. I am living my life here. And that was something that made sense. I was like, okay, this is comfortable. I can understand it. There's absolutely no reason for it to be successful in my life, that there's some sort of connection beyond me. Love it. All I really wanted to do is awaken the skeptic in you because the part that I heard on the, on the podcast that I listened to, you sounded like a new age bumpkin. Uh, <laughs> <it>. Awesome. <laughs> Hi, Danny. I'm Nicole. Nice to meet you. Hi, Nicole. I'm Danny. Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> Very excited to have you on the show. I love the kickoff already. <laughs> Well, you know, if we can't play with each other, what are we doing here, right? Exactly. 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 Um, okay, well, should we start then? Shall we jump right into it? I thought we already had. Let's keep keep it rolling. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Enlighten Up. I'm here with Lisa and Brian, and uh, today we have a very special guest who has already won over my heart given the pre-show chat that we've had. He, his name is Daniel Bruce Levin, and he walked away from an opportunity to run a business that was a household name in America to find happiness and inner peace. Uh, his life has been a combination of massive victories and incredible defeats. Uh, one day from being ordained in, uh, being an ordained rabbi in Jerusalem, Israel, he left and went to live for 10 years as a monk in the foothills of Sierra Nevada mountains, where he taught meditation and yoga for over a decade. He has 
a huge resume of running businesses such as restaurants, publishing houses, a market, a meditation retreat. He was even the director of business development at Hay House and helped grow the company from $3 million to $100 million over a 10-year time span. That is amazing. Um, Danny, welcome to the show. How are you? I, if I was any better, it would be illegal. And I just want to say, I want to meet that guy that you just spoke about. <laughs> you know, he sounds pretty awesome. He sounds pretty awesome. But so here, let me let me put it in perspective for you. So many times people live on what they've done. And you're so kind to introduce me with such a nice introduction and to mention the things that have, have happened in my life. But the truth of the matter is, Nicole, if we can't touch anybody right here, if people can't feel the resonance of who I am as a human being right now, none of that matters, does it? Because the only thing that really is important is how do we connect with each other in this moment? And it doesn't matter what we've done in the past. If we connect with each other now and we, and we, have, and we resonate with each other, then I could live under a bridge for the last 60 years and it wouldn't matter because we have connection now. And if we can't do that, then does it really matter what I've done? Who cares? So as much as I appreciate it, I also just want to encourage people. Like I love the fact that you guys were here and, and tell me, is it Brian? Is that your name? To some people. <laughs> What is your name to to you? I am. I am. Okay. I I love that I am is here because the conversations that I really want to initiate with people are of conversations of unlike mind. Because I think when we sit in our like-minded communities, all we do is blow smoke up each other's butt. And we continue to see what we've always seen, but we don't innovate. We don't see new ideas. We don't see new ways of doing things. And when we have the vulnerability to put ourselves together with people who don't think like us and we listen to them and we hear what they're saying, the potential's there for us to see the world in an entirely new way, to experience the same thing we've always experienced completely different. And to me, that's the glory of what the mosaic is, the book that I wrote. It's a story. But the concept of the mosaic is you have all these different pieces, different colors, different sizes, different shapes. Some are broken, some are whole. It doesn't matter because together what they create is so much more beautiful than anything that they are on their own. Well, you say that your book, The Mosaic, which we'll definitely talk about, uh, was when you realized what your purpose was, like it became your purpose and everything else leading up to that point really didn't feel like part of your purpose. Uh, not quite. I, I always thought I lived an incredibly purposeful life. I always, I always devoted my life to finding all my friends were making millions and millions of dollars. Uh, and they kept looking at me like, and saying to me, like, haven't you spent enough time trying to find yourself? Like, isn't it time to just like, do what you can do. Make money. Make money and, yeah. do, and do what you're here to do because you have all the talent. You've been given all these opportunities. Why are you just finding yourself? But I have to honestly say when I look back into the world now, I'm 63 years old, and I look back into the world that I know and I look at the world that I see today, 
I see a lot of people that have found just what they're looking for, which is money. That's not that hard to find. But I don't see many people that have found contentment. I don't see many people that have inner peace. I don't see many people that are happy in the way they're living their life. I don't see many people that have found that place in themselves where they can walk into a room and affect the room rather than be affected by the room. And so I'm so happy that I've spent my life getting to know myself, getting to understand that what you think of me, whether you admire me or hate me, doesn't change one moment of who I am. I'll listen to you. I'll try and understand what it is you think. But it doesn't change me because I know who I am. Well, speaking of knowing who you are, we actually have a very funny story that I would love for Lisa to share with everyone today. And I think, Danny, you're going to love it as well. Lisa, share everyone what happened with you at jury duty today. I actually did share with Danny just a little bit. I love it. Share with our audience. They have to hear this. It's absolutely hilarious. (laughs) It was pretty funny. Okay, so I got called to jury duty last week. I had to go in, and then they told me whether I'd be called back or not, so I had to go back in again today, and today was the final pick. There were like 80 of us, and I really did not want to be chosen for this trial. It's about a week-long murder trial. Oh, wait, okay. Before, at dinner last weekend with Carolyn and Brian, we were going over all of the things you could do while you're in the jury panel being picked or not picked. And didn't we say, bring crystals, bring your tarot cards? Yes. I was like, oh, this will be easy. You know, I speak light language, so I can just start talking about, you know, well, light language told me that this guy's guilty or just, you know, my I pulled the tarot card. It was the devil card. So I know he <laughs> did it. You know, we were just really joking around. But when it came right down to it today, it's a lot different when you're actually there. You know, you're 80 people in a courtroom, judges there, you've got a few attorneys and witnesses and security and, you know, everything else, court reporter, and it's it, it feels pretty serious, you know? So I'm sitting there and the judge is asking various, you know, just various questions like, do you have a disability that would keep you from being here? Is there anyone who doesn't speak English well enough to understand just, you know, and going through all these different things. And, and as he's getting down the list, nothing's really resonating with me, but the entire time I'm jumping in my chair, light language comes just through me spontaneously. And during in certain situations, in certain energy type situations, it seems to come on stronger So I'm like mumbling light language the entire time and I'm not holding it back. And when I do kind of try to hold it back, it makes me jump and I I convulse and I'm just like jumping in my seat. And so he's getting kind of through the questions. And then I just said to myself, now's the time, Lisa, like you need to raise your hand and say something or you're going to end up being here for a week. So he had just asked somebody, you know, or the general question of something that would keep you from concentrating or something. I'm like, yeah, that's what it is. It's I, I can't concentrate because this is so just this light language is so distracting. So I raised my hand and he said, yes, you know, I said, well, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I channel light language from the 12th dimension. 
And it makes it really hard to concentrate. <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm literally jumping like a jumping bean and, and light language is kind of coming out of me. And I'm like, it just, it, you know, it's, it's really difficult. And he's like, oh, so it, it makes it hard to concentrate. And it's, yeah, yeah, it, 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 it makes it hard to co- concentrate because I like they just come through and like when energy is like really high, like it is in here. And I go they, like right now, they really have something they want to say. <laughs> and he's like, oh, um, so how long have you had this problem? And I said, oh, it's not a problem. It's a gift. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay, Miss Watson. Okay. And he said, we'll confer with the attorney. So then they, they turn, the attorneys go up to the bench and then they turn this loud white noise on so that nobody oh, can wow, hear them talking. Yeah. It's just like this static in the in the courtroom, and and so they're up. If that isn't matrixy, I don't know what uh, is. And that was making me speak light language even more listening to that. And so I look up, and the, the lady attorney that was up front, I just saw her. Just she was just laughing and like turning her head, covering her mouth, trying to hide the fact that she thought that that was probably the most ridiculous thing she could <laughs> ever heard. But I was dismissed. And oh, it's here, awesome. Here I am. So I spoke my truth in the heart of the Matrix today. It reminds me of uh, years ago um, when uh, a, f- a friend of mine, he said he allegedly did it, but I think it was a story, that uh, he walked into the draft uh, place where people they were drafting people, and he... Uh, he was wearing clothes that were old and, and sort of frumpled and he would walk around and he would pick up papers and put them down. He would say, this isn't it. This isn't it. This isn't it. This isn't it. And he walked up to people, you know, that had their own papers on the desk said, this isn't it. This isn't it. This isn't it. And finally he was called over to the draft board and they handed him a paper, which dismissed him from having to be drafted because they said, you're crazy. And he got, he went, ah, this is it. And he walked out. <laughs> ah, that's so funny uh, it's called beating the system well, isn't I mean, it yeah we're just using the system to your own advantage right that's what i mean yeah that's what i mean that's what i mean <laughs> well danny um can you share with us and our audience um what was one of the most profound experiences that really started to shift you um, into the path that you're on right now from, or have you always been on this path? Have you always been on this path or is it something that kind of, you know, cause some of us are really ingrained in the matrix and then some people have really strong and sudden awakenings. Other people have gradual ones. What was yours like from early on as a kid? I always had something going on. I saw, I saw things differently than the people around me saw them, uh, and it was not a major source of of uncomfort or discomfort because I was able to play the game pretty well. The way the world and I knew the way the world operated, and I could I could move myself within it. But for instance, I remember coming home and introducing my mom to my best friend, and I you know, uh, took a moment and just said, you know, we play together all the time. And I just want you to know, this is my best friend. And I introduced her to him. And she said, Danny, there's nobody here. 
And I said, what do you mean there's nobody here? He's standing right here. So I had an imaginary friend that I played with all the time. And she said, Danny, you can't talk about that person ever again. People will think you're crazy and they'll lock you up. But it really just resonated with me that the world that I saw was not the world that everybody else saw. But even more importantly, I realized the world that I, the world that everybody else saw was not the world I saw and that I needed to blend those two worlds together. And I needed to understand the way people see the world differently than the way I did. And it became a sought after commodity when corporations started to get in contact with me and say, we just can't see our way out of this situation. We've heard that you see things differently than other people. Can you come and, and work with us and share and, and help us see a different perspective? And when I started to do that, they started to innovate in ways that they had never been able to do it before. And I don't know really how that happens. I just know that it's, I see it, I see the world differently. And is he still your friend? Yes, but he's moved from an outer place to, I call him the little man in my head. And he just is a impertinent voice that comes up, um, which I fight most of the time because I'll be sitting with people um, that I don't even know. And he'll say, say something to him and I'll say, you're crazy. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that. That's just rude. And they, <laughs> he says, just say it. To him. They need to hear it. And what's really interesting. Um, I am or Brian. What's really interesting is that uh, he isn't wrong most of the time. But I tell people to, t to take what I say with a grain of salt, and if it resonates, hold on to it. But if it doesn't, just throw it in the trash. Don't hold it for one second longer than you need to. Because just because he comes and says something to me doesn't mean I've heard him correctly or I translate it correctly. I fight with him most of the time. So I have an inner dialogue where I'll pause in the midst of talking and people say, are you okay? And I'll just say, yeah, no, I'm just trying to uh, figure out how to say to you what this little guy in my head is saying to me. So you'd have a really good excuse to get a jury duty I, I also may, then. Yes. I, I have never, I've never sat on a jury <laughs> so far, but I, I wouldn't mind sitting on it. It's just uh, who has, who, they, they don't really honor and respect the people that come for jury. I think they pay you $5 a day and you have to pay for your travel and gas and all that stuff. So it's, I mean, it's, it's, you're basically doing it as your, duty as an American to help the legal system work. But I think there's all sorts of shifts that are going to happen within that as well. Yeah, there kind of needs to be a shift. It just seems like to me, the world, like the world works good enough that we keep doing it the way we're doing it, but it doesn't work good enough that we should continue doing it the way we're doing it. We're just scared to get outside of the parameters. Bucky Fuller once said, you can't change the old paradigm with thinking of the old paradigm. You have to create a new paradigm that makes the old paradigm obsolete. And I really feel like this is the moment where that's happening. And part of what's coming to me in the space between the words of my book, The Mosaic, the mosaic story is just a charming story of a boy who lost his parents two years apart on the same day. And when he asks the adults where his parents are, they tell him they're in this place called heaven. So he sets out in search of the place called heaven. 
and the people that he meets along the way are not your classic archetypes of people that you would think would be able to introduce him to heaven. They're a trash man and a juice man and a gardener and a blind woman and a street artist and a homeless guy and a beggar and, you know, a whole bunch of just common, ordinary people. But Mo, the main character, says, as long as I'm sitting with them, I might as well listen to what they have to say. And when he takes a moment to hear their story, when he takes a moment to listen to what they have to say, he listens to people that no one's ever listened to or no one thinks is valuable enough to listen to. He sees that the person he initially saw is not at all the person that is. And so his I am, Brian, changes because he thinks they're one thing and then he sees them as something else. And so that's the story, really. But in between that story is another story, which is what would happen if we got out of the silo of what we see, if we left our, our like-minded thinkers for a moment and embraced the world what we don't see? Like, what would we actually see if we could see what we don't see? What we see is such a small part of the world that is. And so it's an invitation for the world to look beyond what it sees. You can go back to what you believe when you, but take a moment and at least allow yourself the possibility to see the world differently than you see it without shutting down the gates and shutting down the doors and bolting the, bolting the, the windows down. Allow that world to enter into you and see what it feels like, what, it, what it's like. Because I believe we're in desperate need of innovation. I believe the ways our world are working now really aren't working. There's only one question that I get unanimous response on. And that question is, is this the world that you would love to hand, that you always believed you wanted to hand down to your children and your children's children? Nobody says yes. And so if it's not the world that we want to give to our kids, it's our responsibility to try and, and alter it, uplift it, elevate it, do something different that will help to move it towards, to help it lean into the world that we want to give to our kids. Or else it's just going to continue being this way. Most people's minds are too small to understand that. I mean, what what you just described is how I live my life, how I go, how I, how I see things. I, I don't see the world that most people do not in a, you know, I don't see the matrix because, you know, I don't believe in that. I see the world. I see the 3d world that, that I'm in, but I see the possibility. And I actually just started a new company called innovate. Um, so it's, it's, it's funny you you mentioned that because um, that's that's what I want to do. Um, I want to change the world. I want to be a part of the change of the world, and it's hard. But most people aren't programmed that way. Well, and, most people live in fear. I think is what it is. So so one of the ways that I do that, it, and. And there's a company called Vistage, and Vistage works with CEOs, and they coach CEOs of big corporations. And they came, they came to me and wanted me to 
be one of their people that work with CEOs. And I decided not to do it because it just wasn't, I just, it wasn't that aligned to it. But one of their lines that they say in their promotional things, just, boy, it was one of those moments where I said, gosh, I wish I would have thought that first. You know, I wish I would have, I wish I would have <laughs> said it. And, and the line was this, that they said, when we go to work with people, most people hope that we will answer their questions. Instead, what we do is we question their answers. <laughs> and that just, reson that just yeah. resonated so much with me because that is the work that I do. And yet we mm -hmm. make so many statements that seem like they are intact. But until we take the moment to actually question the things that we say, question the answers that we that we give and we say them over and I have a, I have a developmentally delayed daughter and, and bless her heart. She says over and 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 over again, if I'm the same thing. And when I sat back a moment and I thought about it, I said, she's just like me. I say the same stories over and over again, maybe not quite in the same cadence or not that many times in a moment. But I live my life very routine, saying what I say, believing what I believe, knowing what I think I know. When in reality, there's a whole other world out there that if I would open myself up to, it might actually alter some of the things that I believe. For instance, I believe in a world where everything is possible. The only thing that keeps me from knowing that it's possible is I don't see a, a way yet to do it. But if I sit with you and you see the world differently than me, that might just be that just might be the key for me to see what I never saw before and actually make what's impossible possible. But as long as I stay siloed in my own belief system where I always keep saying this is what I believe and this is what I believe and this is what I believe, rather than saying I used to believe this, now everything's open for question. I may come back and still believe it. But I'm certainly open to allowing anything that I say to be looked at under the microscope of innovation. You should. You should be able to, to I mean, anybody should want that. And and I and I think that I think that gets at the heart of the matter even more because people don't really want to be looked at. Yeah. So and I think that's, and I think that's why people don't say things and people don't stand up for things and people don't believe in things because they really don't want to be looked at or examined. So one of the dreams that I have is to create a community virtual and, and real that would exist, that so? would exist in every town, village, city country, nation, that we would, where we would have people come together. I call it the dollar a month club um, because I don't want it to be free, but I don't want it to cost very much. I want everybody to be able to afford it. I don't know how it's going to materialize, but I know it will. Where everybody pays a dollar a month and what your initial benefit in the dollar a month club is is that you get to come to a virtual place and, and real places as they develop throughout the world where you can sit and meet with people of unlike minds, where the only rule of being in the room 
is that you speak without anger and you listen without judgment. That you just come and you come and present yourself as an open book for the few moments that you're there. You hear what everybody has to say. If someone's speaking light language from the 12th dimension and you're in the court, you just listen to them. <laughs> right? And mm -hmm. and and you don't yeah. just laugh at them in front of the judge because even though in this case it worked, that's what we really do, right? We, we hear what people say. We laugh at it because it doesn't fit into a comfortable box that we know. But we don't allow ourselves the possibility that what would that what would happen if we could actually hear that light language? And I'm and I'm going way out for purposely, okay? But it it really is like what would we hear if we could if we could hear what the wind was saying as it blows through the trees? What would the flower right in front of us be trying to say to us if we allowed it to speak to us? What would happen? And I'm going to give you a little zets, Brian, because I love you. What would happen then? if we really should allow ourselves to have our beliefs questioned and we didn't have to be so firm on I'm a skeptic or I don't believe in the woo woo or I don't believe in that, but you just are open to it. And I'm not saying you should or shouldn't, I, I could care less. It, it doesn't change my life at all, but it, it, it's those thought patterns that make the Democrats fight the Republicans. It's those thought patterns that make white people think they're better than black people. It's those thought patterns that make, uh, that make Muslims now the sought after bad guy in the world. It's those thought patterns that our differences are so large that that's all we see. When if you look at the image of a mosaic, none of the pieces really are, are flush with each other. Sometimes they just connect at the very tip, but that connection's enough to make the mosaic whole. So rather than looking at all the places where we disagree, what would happen if we looked at the few places where we do agree? And how could we build a bridge across the span, this gap that exists between the silo that I used to live in and the silo that you used to live in? Well, I think that's I think that's a beautiful um, vision to hold. I think that would change this world dramatically, having a space uh, that people came to for that very reason to have open discussions without judgment um, and without anger. Uh, that is probably one of the um, top needs in this world right now because there's so much um, discord and. Uh, lack of communication in, in a sense that it actually people are hearing one another. Um, and I think that, you know, you mentioned earlier too, this idea of listening and questioning people's answers. I love that so much. And it's what I find is most effective in my work when I'm coaching with people is it's not so much that I look like for them to answer my questions or so, but I find so many people reveal so much if you let yes. them talk. And there is much to hear, not just in what they're saying, but also in what they're withholding. Yeah. And when you take a moment to really listen, you then can question the answers and really start to allow people to go deeper than the so surface. I, I, I love that. And for me, it goes even a step further because 
one of the paradigms that I think has to change is this paradigm that we live in where we're in a vertical reality, where there are people that know and they, and they help the people who don't know. And there are people that are broken that need to be fixed. And there are self-help teachers and gurus that fix them. And, and people are making lots of money on that paradigm by saying, I know the answers. You don't. Come to me. Follow me. And I will do this. I think that's all bullshit. I think the time for that is over. I think the, I think the new mm-hmm. paradigm is a paradigm of the mosaic where we come together. And in the, in the very process of us coming together, we adapt new ways of seeing things and new ways of finding solutions that we could never see from that vertical reality where one tells the other what to do. Are you guys aware of swarm intelligence? Have you heard that terminology? Did I have swarm? swarm intelligence. Yeah. No. Okay. no. okay. So if you look at nature and you watch the way birds fly, they fly in a swarm. They fly in, in and they, they, it looks like maybe one is leading it because they're almost in a triangle and it looks like they're all following the one in front, but they don't follow the one in front because the movements are so quick, but they all are moving in sync with, with the actual understanding of how they fly. Fish move the same way. So there are some people that I, I'm getting in contact with that I've become, an, uh, I, I want to start working with that, uh, their company is called artificial AI. And what they do is they said, I wonder if we could get humans to operate in swarm mentality because humans operate in pack mentality. One person tells them what to do and the group follows, right? But mm-hmm. they don't, and, or, or they look at what each other is doing and they try and make a decision or we vote or we try and make the right thing happen. Mm-hmm. That's a completely different paradigm than this paradigm. And so people, as soon as they said, well, we're going to try and do this, tried to knock them down. And they said, if you're going to try and do it, let's give you something to, to just knock you right off your high horse right now. And, and, the, and they said, great, let's give it a try. Like, what do you want us to do? They said, we want you to pick the winners of the Kentucky Derby, but not just the first place winner. We want you to pick first place, second and third and fourth. And, and just so you know, the chances of doing that are about 586 to one. They're not good chances. You're, 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 it, it, the odds are really stacked against you. And they said, great, let's try it. So they brought together 60 people into a virtual room. They, they, they had the technology to be able to activate the mouse of each person in that room, to be able to move a puck that was in the center of the room towards a point on an octagon. Each point on the octagon had one of the horses that was running in the Kentucky Derby. And they asked the question, who's going to come in first? And together they moved that puck towards the first place, they did it again for second, they did it again for third, they did it again for fourth. They were, they got the answers a thousand percent right. Okay. But here's the more important thing than that, because you would think that while certain people knew or was, or were educated and knew what they were going to do, when none of the people, none of the 60 people that, ex- that went into the experiment picked the first place horse to come in first on their own card. None of them picked the second place horse to come in second. Only one picked the third place horse to come in third, and none of them picked the fourth place horse to come in fourth. So law of averages. Law of averages, I don't know what that means. What I understand it to mean is collectively – the mosaic mind, the the hive mentality, the the uh, the group, this this thought of moving in a swarm, 
was actually able to come up with solutions that the individual mind could not come up with on its own. That's the new, that's the new paradigm of the world we're going to be living in. And that's the paradigm that, that, that the mosaic wants to initiate into the world that we live in now. So are you saying that these people, did they go into this room single or they as a went, group? They were in 60 different locations. They went, what, what, they were all around America and they went into a virtual room. And so they're just, were looking at their computer. They could see the way the mouse, they could see the way the puck was moving and they could try and move the puck too. All of them had equal control as to how to move the puck. Where the puck ended up was not where any of them would have taken it on their own. How were they moving the puck? Through their mouse. Oh, through their mouse? Yeah. And so they do this. Do they know that they're choosing a winner of one, two, three, and four? They were asked, who's going to come in first? Choose. And and so they choose it, and then they don't actually write it down no, on their card? They, they, were told, they were asked before the experiment, we want you to pick who's going to come in first, second, third, fourth on your own card. Oh, so that happened before they went into the room. Before. Ah, then they I went see. in the room and they said and they said who's going to come in first. Okay. I'm watching now a flock of birds fly in front of me just as a just as a <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and and none of them picked the horses that came in first. What they or second or third or one, only one picked third and or fourth. So what I'm trying to share with you is there's a new model of how the world can operate. And will operate collectively. That is, that is, we were never meant to do this world alone. We were never meant to figure it out on our own. We were never meant to have superpowers and drive around as superheroes thinking we're all that. Let me ask you a question, and I'd love your I'd love your answers on this. I'm not I don't have you in a swarm mentality. I just want your individual answers. On a scale of one to ten, with one being what you would hate to be and 10 being what you would love to be, where would you place the word ordinary? Oh my God, okay. one. <laughs> Who else? Who else? Brian, where would you put it? Same for me. Yeah, one. Way down low. Where, on that same scale of one to 10, with one being what you'd hate to be, and 10 being what you'd love to be, where would you put the word extraordinary? Oh, 10. 10. Brian? Eight. Okay. All right. So I, I love your skeptic that you wouldn't go 10 on me. Okay. Well, so, well, but I am a 10. Okay. You are a 10. I love that. So I'm looking but, behind me at extraordinary. Okay. I love that. So let me ask you this question, and maybe it's only a perk of the English language. Maybe it wouldn't work in other languages the same way. But if ordinary is something that you don't want to be, why would you like to be extra of something you don't want to be? Extraordinary. Oh, wordplay. <laughs> wordplay, maybe. But maybe it's maybe it, it has hidden in it because what the mosaic has given to me is that hidden in that wordplay is a reality. And the reality is that we on our own can only accomplish so much. We were never meant to play the game alone. It's when extraordinaries come together that we create extraordinary results. And you see that over time. You see small groups of people coming together 
and and finding solutions to things that they couldn't find on their own. Call it swarm mentality, hive mentality, mosaic mind, whatever you want to call it. There's a brilliance to the collective that the individual can't see. It's so beautifully illustrated by putting by looking at any mosaic. Because none of the pieces, as beautiful as they are, are as exquisite as the artistry of the entire mosaic. So are you, I want to make sure I'm understanding this correctly. Um, so with the group mentality, which is where we're all pretty much operating at right now, for the most part, um, it's all about following, following one idea. the leader, the leader, the leader, yes. right? Whereas this hive or mosaic or swarm mentality is utilizing the whole. It's, t- um, it's tuning to- into a collective mind, collective consciousness yeah. that actually has the ability to guide us beyond where our minds can take us. Gotcha. And so, okay. And so the I underlying understand. theme of my book, The Mosaic, when Mo sees these these people, the street worker, and he sees them and he thinks, why in the hell am I talking to this guy? He's a street worker. Why am I talking to this artist? He's an artist. Why? In, what in the world can they show me about heaven? Until he starts to listen to them and he sees that what he sees, what he initially saw was not real. When he has that situation happen over and over and over and over and over again, he meets a monk who unzips the sky and walks him into a parallel reality where he meets the wise one who is the keeper of the mosaic. So remember we started out by saying, what would we see if we could see what we don't see? Why does there have to be a keeper of the mosaic? Um, there just there doesn't have to be. It's just my story, and that's what I, how I made it. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about a collective mentality and yeah. people yeah. getting together. And and I I you know you asked before before we were on you asked you asked me about my I am and you said yes. you, know, you don't sound like a skeptic based on you know the episode that we just aired about our our time with 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 Jessica Alstrom and and for me I don't see. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing beyond me. There's no higher power. There's nothing making this happen. And, and just hearing you, what you're describing, it reinforces that this idea of a swarm mentality is disconnected from a higher power. There's some, you know, somebody that's. So pardon me, pardon me for jumping in. What if that is the higher power? The higher power is the power of the collected mind, of the mosaic mind, that it is not this being that lives up in heaven wondering how much I can punish Brian because he doesn't believe in me. But it's a connected consciousness that is so much more powerful than the consciousness of Brian on his own. And it's okay for me whether you whatever you believe. I have no I I, I gain nothing or lose nothing by what you believe. My my answer to you is two words. Well, it's actually one word. Bullshit. No. Potato, potato. <laughs> okay. um, you're you're saying this collective consciousness is the the one universal truth, and I'm saying it's we're just a collective. We're all individuals, and we make better decisions when we work together. And it doesn't it doesn't prove anything. It doesn't prove that there's there's anything beyond me and. I, well, and, but, and I live all, with all due respect. If we make better decisions collectively, there is something more than beyond you. 
there's a connect the connection of all of us together is bigger and more than what you are on your own correct and 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 that's a we and we're all here on this earth there's you know lisa and i are here together there is a we and there's we can make a better decision together if we're a collective consciousness but it and you 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 overlay that on the entire earth and you've got all of these people living their lives and we're a we there's we're all still individuals right but there's this thread that holds us all together so i think if you could look if you don't have to but just looking at source or creator or god and i can understand why god totally trips some people up because religion has completely ruined that but that connects us and that is something that, so, that is an energy that is something outside of you you make up part of that you are part of that but we are all connected in that way let me go back to potato potato because when we talk about as god or source or universal consciousness or all that stuff it sounds way too uh way too metaphysical that's why i chose to call it mosaic mosaic's just a piece of artwork but there's nobody that can look at a mosaic and say that the individual piece, as beautiful as it is, is, doesn't become even more beautiful when it's connected to all the other pieces. Mm -hmm. So call the consciousness mosaic consciousness. Don't call it God. Don't call it source. Don't call it universal intelligence. Just, just visualize. There's nothing religious or spiritual about my book purposefully because I don't believe that that's the answer to the, to the situation we seek. The answer is that when you take enough drops of the ocean and you put them together, you create an ocean, all of which have the characters and the traits of the ocean within themselves, but they are definitely not the ocean on their own. If you look at what quantum physics is telling us, that me that we talk about doesn't exist. We think of it as a form-based reality. We think of it as my body, my mind, my space, my, my silo. Our silo is our body, but when you look under a magnifying glass at what the solidity of our body is, you see no solidity. Mm -hmm. You see swirls of energy. You see atoms and neurons and protons moving around. You don't see a solid mass sitting there. So the very thing that we think makes up me and makes me different than you is the very thing that doesn't even exist. What I say to people is the lie has become so easy for us to believe we call it the truth. And the truth has become so hard to believe we call it a lie. The truth is that we're all connected. Science is showing us that. You don't have to be a metaphysician now to see that. Science is showing us that we're made up of energy. And that energy is not only is not limited to who exists right now in this world today. We are inhaling into our breath with our breath, the same atoms that Hitler inhaled, that Gandhi inhaled, that Jesus Christ inhaled, and that the thief on the side of the street is inhaling. And so we have within ourselves the beautiful thing about a mosaic for me 
is that we're one piece, P-I-E-C-E, away from one piece, P-E-A-C-E. We have the ability to just connect, to disconnect from what we believe right now and connect slightly differently and we'll experience an entirely different reality. What's, who is it, Viktor Frankl, that says that man's search for, in, in man's search for meaning, that nothing in and of itself has any meaning. The only meaning it has is the meaning we give to it. What meaning do we give to the life that we live? Do we give meaning? Do we give the meaning that people are stupid or don't care or don't think enough about it to actually change? Well, that will that will dictate the life that we allow them to live. Or do we believe that underneath each one of us, every single one of us, no matter who we are, street worker, barber, barbershop person, president of the, of the country, uh, CEO of a company, that all of us inherently underneath what the, the facade that we put out to the world, hoping that they'll believe what they see, underneath all of us, we want the same thing. I had the opportunity to travel around the world and I've had the opportunity to be and, and eat with and, and call as my friends some of the richest people in the world. And I've also had the grace and the dignity to be able to sit on street corners with the poorest of the poor. Do you know that no matter what, how much money they had, no matter what color their skin was, no matter what religion they practiced, no matter what border they sat behind, Every single one of them wanted the same thing. They wanted to be loved and accepted. They wanted to be listened to and heard. They wanted to be validated and acknowledged. Not one of them said, I want you to agree with me. They gave me the same right to believe what I believe, but they just wanted me to hear what it is they were saying. So what would happen if we changed the meaning we gave to the world? What would happen if we held up a higher meaning that instinctively all of us believe in? The easiest thing in the world when people say to me, Danny, what do you do? I have the easiest job in the whole world. It doesn't take a college degree. It doesn't take a uniform that I have to wear. It doesn't take a, a, a place that I have to show up to. I give people what they want. They wanna be loved and accepted, I can love and accept them. They want to be listened to and heard. I can listen to them and hear them. They want to be acknowledged and validated for what they believe. I can do that. It doesn't mean I have to agree with it. I have that same right to, to believe what I believe. But when we sit together and we do that for each other, even if you're going to blow up a building, I don't believe you'll blow up my building. Because you'll say, he may not agree with me. He may be a, a stubborn guy. But I get that he listened to me and he heard me. And I really appreciate that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, but, but one but, but means it doesn't make sense. No, it, no, it, what you say makes sense. But there's 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 one thing you, you, you keep referring to mosaic. And I understand it's the you know, it's the title of your book. And it's, there's this bigger idea that you're talking about the swarm mentality. But who's putting the mosaic together? Because a mosaic is is artwork, and let's 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 keep it 
let's keep it simple and say the mosaic is a thousand pieces, right? And that can be, you know, representations of billions of people and it, it, it doesn't matter, but I've got all these disparate pieces, different colors, um, different shades, different shapes. There's, there's lots of things happening in this mosaic. And the artist creates that the artist puts them purposefully where they go. So when you step back and you look at the mosaic, it's beauteous to behold. And even, you know, even on your website, you show a picture of an eye, you know, it's, it's like a mosaic floor or something like that. It's, it's, you know, it's a smaller picture of a, of a larger piece, presumably. So how do you account for a mosaic is still being controlled by one so, thing. So Brian, in this mosaic of the four of us on this conversation, who's in control of how it looks? Nobody. And that's my point. And, it's, that's, if, my, if, and that's my point. If I throw yeah. those thousand pieces in the air a million times, maybe one time it'll come down and organize itself into, you know, something recognizable and beautiful to behold. All the other times it'll look like a jumbled mess, which is what we already have today. But that jumbled mess is still beautiful to behold because here's the beauty. What you're talking about is a jigsaw puzzle, not a mosaic. Oh, no, no, not, not at all. There's an exquisiteness to a jigsaw puzzle where every piece has to be in its place in order for the jigsaw puzzle to be whole. I, I disagree. I'm not, I'm not referring to a jigsaw puzzle. I'm, I'm thinking specifically of mosaic art. I'm a landscape architect by training and I had to do mosaic pieces and, and, and I get it and I understand, but you still have to, for that thing to be seen as art, it has to be put together and it's finding how it fits together. So, so go back through our conversation and we're not talking about a swarm intelligence or a mosaic mind because we care how birds fly. We're caring, we're talking about it because when the four of us in this conversation come together, we, we create what it is we create here. Sure. And we may not see the beauty. Uh, it may not fit into a perfect picture of a, of a face or a person or a mountain or a river. But, but it's something. Only, but it's something. And we have no idea what that something is in the totality of the other somethings that are being created. And why does it have to be something to be beautiful? The just the, the convergence of that energy together is beautiful. The beautiful of the beauty of all those pieces together makes something that is that is interesting to look at. Sure. It doesn't have to follow a pattern or look like somebody something. The beauty of art is that some of the most beautiful art is the most abstract art that's ever been made. Oh, absolutely. My favorite artist is Joan Miro, and it's you know, it's, yeah. it's extremely abstract and and beauty is you know, in the eye of the beholder. So, so what if the world were that as well? What if we, what if we got out of the rigidity of saying someone has to make it and it has to look a certain way and it has to be this way, but we just had the beautiful grace of mind to say, we don't know how this is going to look. It's not our job. It's not our, we, we're, we're not doing, like I have no idea how this movement will spread that I want to spread because I, I see it in my mind's eye that there will be a billion members of this of this dollar a month club, and the, and that will bring a billion dollars a month of revenue. 
And we will be able then to use the conversations that we're having with the simplest of minds and the brightest of minds to channel those conversations into ideas that we can put at the points of that octagon or, or whatever it is and say to people, how do you see solving hunger? So I'm, so I'm an idea guy and I look at the world differently. I've already said that. Um, and I'm going to give you an idea. Good. And I'd love to help you make it happen if I can. Um, Hallelujah. Because what I'm, what I'm imagining is, you know, this, this swarm mentality idea. And, you know, the, 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 the example that you gave of picking the, you know, the, the, the winners and the runners up and all that at the, at the Kentucky Derby and that people got together online and there was a thing moving towards, you know, all these different answers. And it doesn't matter what, what, it, what, what the answer is. It's, there are answers, there's eight answers around an, you know, an octagon and I'm going, I'm trying to move the thing towards it. And I mean, it's, and you're going to get something and it's going to be a great solution. And to get people in, and, and, and I'm also a realist and I understand, well, you have to get people to want to join up and, the beautiful idea that you have is not enough in this world for, for some people, you know, um, for some people it is enough to just give, give a dollar, you know, a monthly subscription of a dollar to, you know, want to, you know, have a conversation with somebody. But what if, what if that idea was your, you're a part of something and you're only giving a dollar a month or 50 cents or, you know, whatever it is to really truly make it affordable. Because to be honest, not everybody has a dollar a month. I lived in, I lived in, I lived in China and, and, you know, I mean, if you're talking about a billion people, you know, 50 cents a month is, you know, still a lot of money. A quarter is still a lot of money. But anyway, that, that, that's neither here nor there. The idea is what if every month everybody's going, you know, at the same time, and that's what that's what it is. You're paying a dollar a month to log in at the same time and solve something, because so, that swarm mentality is going to be. I okay. love it. Here's, I love it. Here's here's world hunger. Everybody's going to, and then and then you're going to move the puck to one answer, and then that one answer, that money, that billion dollars goes to that one answer. And I don't mind wasting a billion dollars on on answers that don't prove to be correct because sure. you can't solve problems by without taking risks. But the next month there'll be another billion dollars. Yeah, exactly. And the next month there'll be another. So it's a that beautifully is, simple idea. That is the strategy. You're not, you're saying exactly what the strategy is. It's right. not that we, but it doesn't, it's, it can't, it's not that we, the same second we come in there and do it, but that our dialogues with each other in these rooms, virtual and real are already on the topic of, of, coming up with solutions for world hunger. And we put those into the swarm mentality and we pick out of those, the eight solutions. And then we pick out of those and we narrow it down and we, and we try our best because look what, what's happening now isn't working. There's no reason in the whole world that anybody should be homeless. There's no reason right. someone should go hungry. There's no reason someone should have to sell their body to make money. There's no reason there shouldn't be clean drinking water. There's no reason people should be uneducated. There's no reason people shouldn't have health care. There's no reason why we should we should like or dislike somebody because of the color of their skin. These are stupid. We're already beyond the point where that reality should we should have solved that a long time ago. Absolutely. Cancer should have been done. Cancer should be over. Disease should be done. 
There's no reason most of this exists, but the system we're living in has not allowed we the people, the first three words of our constitution, to have a voice. So the whole mission of this is to go to those people that nobody listens to, the ordinary people, not the people that think they have to be superheroes. Who cares? They're just, they're just finding more reasons to loathe themselves because they never get to where they think they should be. We could, we're going to the ordinary people, the people that make up the majority of this world. Yeah. And we're saying to them, come together as ordinary people. The most beautiful things in the world are ordinary. You tell me what's more beautiful than a sunrise. It's ordinary. It happens every single day at the same yeah. time. You tell me what's more beautiful than watching buds come onto a tree when springtime comes. It's ordinary. It happens every springtime. You tell me what's more, what's, what's more beautiful than watching dusk turn into night and night turn into day. And it's ordinary. It happens every single day. But we've been led through a bullshit set of beliefs, pardon my language, to make ordinary feel less than because everybody's trying to be more than they are, which is the reason why we have so much pain and suffering. Because who we are isn't good enough, but who we are is good enough. The and idea we- in itself gives value to people. And when people feel valued, I mean, that's a whole shift in energy. Huge. But when you don't have to hide behind your false self that we. Yeah, we're all we're all living behind silos that we've painted, hoping that you'll like what we've painted on our wall because we're scared to death you'll find us and you won't like us. The real thing is, yeah. And it's just bullshit. Pardon my language. It needs to end. It's over. That time is done. And it comes from people in, and this is where I agree with you, and I'm I'm skeptic too, Brian, because we're make. There's a lot of people making money on selling me on how broken I am, or how I have to look a certain way, or how I have to have a certain type of body, or how I have to make a certain amount of money. It's bullshit. We can help each other create a reality that will be so much more real, so much more current, so much more alive, so much more. Uh, solution-based than the world that we live in. And it doesn't come from changing anybody. It comes from us all coming together to uplift and elevate the society to the place where together we can do more than we can on our own. Acceptance is the word I think of. Yeah. Accepting each other for our differences. And, you know, here on the Enlighten Up podcast, you know, it's the reason that we have a skeptic on the show because we don't want to be that silo spiritual podcast. We want to be challenged. We want to accept all points of view. That's why I wanted to do it. Uh, because that was what made it interesting to me. Because it's not, it's not about how many more people in the choir can sing the same song we always mm-hmm. sing. Right? It's about how do we, how do we state these, these truths in a way that everybody can embrace them, no matter what they believe, because truth is truth. It's not. It's not just because we we lie about it and believe the lie doesn't mean the lie is truthful. The lie is a lie. We're connected. We're all connected. We're all a part of each other. We're all a part of this energy that's making our world be what we want. There is nobody that's building the mosaic. We are building the mosaic together. We, the people, have the power to transform our lives, but that power has been taken away from us because we no longer believe we, the people, have that power. This is a revolution of the largest magnitude. 
It's what was originally intended in the American Revolution. Oh, it sure. was it was the break away from kings and dictators telling us what we had to do. And we were going to create a new way, but we animal farmed ourselves in the same ex existence. Anyway, I don't mean to pontificate. I feel like I'm pontificating. You're good at it. <laughs> I'm a good pontificator. I've had no, years. You, you, you have deep skill. Okay. I, 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 and blowing I, gas. Yes, I blow a lot. I blow a lot full of gas. <laughs> similar I, to you, baby. <laughs> I can elevate a hot air balloon all on my own. Yeah. But does this make sense to you what we're talking about? It makes sense to me. Oh, yeah. It's it. It's interesting. The last thing you said at the very end there, how, you know, the reason why we had the American Revolution was to, you know, a, a leave that idea of kings and queens and dictatorship. But then we ended up recreating the very thing that we were leaving. It's 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 interesting how quickly we forget. There, there's an element of. Um, I don't know what it is, but it's it's like it's almost like when things start to get really good, you forget about <laughs> the whole process of what got you there and you can reverse it really quickly. Well, the the way the world looks outward is the way it looks for us all inward. And that's why when I started off and say and said, I'm so happy that I took time away from the norms of the way the world operates. And I decided that the value that I wanted more than any other value was to know myself. Why I was so happy with that decision. Because when you know yourself, it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much people think positive of you. It doesn't matter if they agree with you or disagree with you. You have the you have the strength of character to affect change in the world. That goes back to what we that spoke about after QRT about the I am and keeping your eyes on your own paper and all the topics that you know, the ninety day timeout is just moving to China or to the Cayman Islands, you just taking time for yourself and and learning who you are is the most powerful thing that you can do. I think I remember when I was 20, 21, and I went to see my naturopath for the first time, who ended up being a very um, important early spiritual teacher of my journey. The first thing she showed me was this plaque on the wall that said, know thyself. Temet noche in Latin. Yep. It was the first lesson taught to me. And I just, I completely agree with you. Knowing yourself allows you to completely shift the entire world from within to begin knowing itself as well. Yeah. And it, it isn't, for me, it isn't about that, the shift that I bring to the world. It's just throughout time, what we've seen is small groups of people. And in the mosaic, I talk about it really simply. There are four different connections that are important for us to make. 
But sure. But you know what, Danny? You can say that, but I'm going to tell you, it's a very humble way of saying it, but I'm going to disagree because you know that you're connected to everything so that you know that if you are shifting you inside, it's because you want to know thyself and therefore you are shifting the world. So it is about it because you're... you're I I agree with you and I love that you made that clarification because if we go about thinking that we want to change the world, we'll fail. If we go about thinking, in my my way of thinking, if we go about thinking, I I want to uplift myself to a place where I know that I am connected to everything in the world. There are four connections. There's a connection to myself, which most of us don't have. There's a connection to Brian. You're going to love this. A connection to source, to knowing that there's something bigger than us. Uh, you're you're going to hate that, but let's call <laughs> let's call that connection our connected consciousness of the mosaic. And I think that'll be you can easier you can you. say I'm connected to the oxygen I breathe. And if you want to call that source, okay, we're on the okay. same page. So we're we're connected to something. All I really want to say is we're connected to something other than ourselves. So the first connection is we have to be connected to ourselves. The second connection is that we have to be, we have to realize there's something bigger than ourselves, whether that's the oxygen we breathe, whether that's the totality of the mosaic, whether that's all the drops of the ocean coming together. That's or what humanity. I'm about. If you well, want to, humanity, humanity is something I can put my mind around. Right? I love that. I love that. Let's, let's say with humanity there. The third connection is connection to purpose. And most people, when I ask them, why are they here? They have no idea. Right. And I say, why are you here? They say, I, I don't know. Well, if, if throughout time, no one has done what we've come here to do, and throughout from now till the end of time, no one will do that again because they don't need to because we've done it, it's pretty important, I think, to spend a few minutes to think why we're here. I know why I'm here. I came for the red wine and the chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> Okay, I hope you're right, but I have a feeling you're there's more you're gonna do with your life. <laughs> and, and, you know, oh, Earth 3D <laughs> has some perks down here. <laughs> so so whether you've come for the red wine and the chocolate chip cookies, that's great. But when you know yourself and you know humanity or you know the larger self and you know why you're here, then you can go to the fourth connection, which most people think is the first, which is connections to others. You can find the pieces of your mosaic that will help you create that mosaic and help you shape that corner of that mosaic to be what it wants to be, not because you're directing it or forcing it or ruling it or or vertical relationship saying what you think it should be, but because together, like and unlike minds, will find a way to create that portion in a way that creates, uplifts or elevates or or uh, mirrors to the world, a world that they didn't know before. And that to me is the power of what the image of the mosaic is. That's the power in the words that the story tells and in the spaces between the words that the story tells. People read the book and they have an experience. I don't care. I don't, I don't ask them what, what they read and what they thought of what they read. I ask them, what is the experience you had reading it? And when people take a chance, take the time to just sit with it, the mosaic, we've made reference to, to the matrix. Well, the mosaic is a matrix. The mosaic is a living, breathing reality of connection. And we have a choice to decide what we want to connect to at any point in time. 
and what we connect to will create the reality of who we are. So if we like the reality that we're living in, stay connected where we are. If we don't like the reality we're living in, we have to change some connections. And the beauty of a mosaic is you can break it because it's already made up of broken pieces. You can break it and rearrange the pieces so that it fits the life that you want to lead now. And if that life isn't the what you want to lead 10 minutes from now, you break it again. And you put the pieces back together and you search for the ways that the pieces can, can connect that can bring the world to a place that it's never known before. That's beautiful. And I think I know I can attest to that in the sense that the more I got to know myself, the more I wanted to connect to source. And the more I connected to source, the more I realized my purpose. And the more that I lived that purpose, the more my, I ca we call it frequency family, started to show up. And it's like the, like you said, that like minds and they start gravitating towards it. And it's in it, it's done in such a supportive way. So that completely makes sense to me. I, I, I so, love that. So I'm actually before. saying something different though, because you're, you're connecting to like minds. I would invite you to, to allow yourself the possibility of what you do on your own podcast of allow the magnificence of the unlike mind to come together because it isn't in the like-mindedness that I think our solutions are going to come. They felt good. When I, was, when I first found my like-minded community, I thought I had died and went to heaven because I finally found people as crazy as, as me who, who thought like I thought, saw what I saw, and did what I did. And in a world where I was alone and isolated and I found that group of people, I thought, wow, this is amazing. But everything has its time. Now those silos are getting bigger and, and stronger. The gaps between what one like-minded community and another like-minded community feel are completely different and they're causing separation when there is nothing to be separate from. And it's time for those, those silos of like-minded communities to dissolve. It's time for us to walk back in open fields with no silos where we come together as human beings to have the experience of the experience. And that's what I'm really asking people to do. So it's a step past where I heard you say what you're what you said, because it's so easy to settle into the comfort of a like minded community. Oh, I, I completely agree with you. I think, though, when you're um, definitely venturing into unchartered territory, that is, um, like you said, <laughs> judged upon as crazy, you need that support system built first before you can um, how it's it's like a child. you know you you nurture the child, you give it everything it needs, and then you're like, now you have all the tools to go out into the real world and and experience it all. And so it, I can see how that is the next step. Um, past that. But it's also important to have that support system of like minds around you, at least when you're um, in those initi initial stages. So I would love to leave you with a challenge and just ask you, what if that isn't true? What if it doesn't have to be that way? What if that's just a belief system that we've made up to believe in that we need the separation. We need to find those people who think like us so that we can be strong. What if underneath all the superficial differences that we think we see, 
we actually all believe the same thing? What if we just loved and accepted each other? What if we were open to other points of view? What if we didn't need a, a, our own little pond where people who looked exactly like us and thought exactly like us lived, but we were able to swim in an ocean where everybody lives and we were able to nurture and nourish each other because we don't have to connect exactly. We just have to find one tip, one point of the mosaic where I can connect to you. And that's enough to keep the bridge going. Accepted. Accepted. Thank you. <laughs> Danny, it was such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining I, us. I can't thank you enough. And I find the conversation very stimulating. And I just hope that more and more and more people will listen and more and more people will participate. And uh, Richard, uh, Richard, who is actually, uh, I am, who is actually Brian. <laughs> um, I'd be more than open to having conversations about enlisting, enlisting your support and your help in building these mosaic communities. Yeah, it, that's, I think it's a great idea. Thank Let's you. Let's change the world. That's, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we came. Danny said he didn't want to change I, the world. He only wants I to change really, himself. I don't really want to. I don't really want to change the world because then that means the world is broken. I just want to allow the world the opportunity to see another world, and let it decide for itself what it wants to do. Potato, potato. <laughs> I, I, I prefer to call it so, tomato, tomato. <laughs> Basil, <laughs> basil. All right. <laughs> um, Danny, where can people find you? Uh, we're going to leave all the information in the show notes, but if you'd like to let our audience know where they can find you and learn more about you or get Thank your book. Thank you so much. The easiest place is to just go to my website, which is themosaiconline.com. Um, that's the easiest place to see more about the mosaic. There's also another website that is my name, danielbrucelevin.com. Uh, which I'm rebuilding and reconstructing, but that'll give you some of my history. Uh, and the book is available on my website, but Amazon is such an easy vehicle for people. It's available in hardcover or Kindle. And people have been kind enough to say really beautiful things about it. And so I would so welcome the opportunity for more and more people to invite themselves to the possibility that happens when they read a simple book and it, sh it enters them and takes them to places that they never even imagined possible, uh, where they see things that they don't see before, that they've never seen before. That every single voice, whether it be from a CEO of a company or a, broom, a man pushing a broom on the street, is important, valuable, and needs to be heard. That's the mosaic. Uh, it's available on Amazon, and I'd love for people to get it and let me know what they think. Thank you so much. Um, I'm looking forward to reading the rest of your book. I've already started reading some of it. So thank you for sharing all of your insight and understandings and just lessons that you've learned along the way. It's my honor. And thank you for have, holding this forum where it makes it so easy to do so. Thank you for being you. And, and you, <laughs> I am. <laughs>
Thank you all for joining our show. We appreciate you tuning in and supporting us. If any of you have any questions you would like answered on the show or any guests that you would like to hear on our show, please email that information to us at info at enlightenup.us or send us a voice message using the Anchor app. There's a super cool feature on there that allows you to send us a message or ask us a question with a touch of a button right from the app. And please continue to support us by following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And if you haven't checked out Nicole's channel on YouTube yet, head on over there for some more insight from her, or you can visit her website, inflexibleme.com, where you can book a personal coaching session or a tarot reading, watch some of her most informative videos, or you can sign up for her newsletter. And if you're interested in some light language healing, head to my YouTube channel, Lisa Loves Love, or send me an email to lisa at lisaloveslove.com to inquire about your own personal reading. Thank you again for joining us and supporting us, and we'll be back with you all next week.